Texas Longhorns are on the road against Alabama. Texas A&M goes to Miami, and we're predicting how many points are scored in Ole Miss Tulane? That and more right here on the Three Technique. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. and welcome into another episode of the three technique a college football podcast at the intersection of the x's and o's and the jimmies and the joes i'm mitch mason along with trey reeves garrett turney fellas week one announced the arrival of college football in its full glory week two announces the arrival of heavyweight matchups we have big time brands going on the road to play other big time brands blue blood all over the place and I could not be more excited to kick back in the Barca Lounger, pour a cold drink, and just enjoy from the moment we kick off at 11 a.m. Central Time all the way through the nightcap. It's going to be a great weekend. It absolutely is. Look, we always say all football is good football, right? We're, we're never going to argue that all football is good football. We were here for week zero. We're here for, heck, I'll probably watch Murray State Louisville um, as you guys are listening to this tonight. But... <laughs> This is what we've been waiting for. Week two has been circled on our calendars for a really long time. There's got some Titanic matchups, and I can't wait to take all of it in this weekend. Yeah, the matchups are going to be incredible. Not that last week didn't have some good games, just, you know, the the big names weren't there. We didn't expect some of these games to be nearly as competitive as they were. But this is kind of the first week that we look up and down the slate and we say, man, like every single time slot, every single window we have, is a really good, really competitive game, or at least it's supposed to be a really good, really competitive game. There could be some blowouts that we're not expecting, but that's kind of fun in its own way. So, again, not that we didn't enjoy last week. Also, shout out to a lot of our new fans that are here from some of those matchups last week. Looking at you, Florida State fans, a bunch of y'all followed after that big win. So, um, shout out to y'all. Keep hanging in there. Um, but, you know, you know, it, it's, it's looking like we could have another big week and another big – uh, opportunity to watch some really cool football games and and hopefully get a really nice slate for Saturday. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, it really should. And you know, what, as I was creating the outline, putting the the games down, uh, it was tough to leave games off. I mean, inevitably, there's going to be a game that you know folks feel like, oh, well, they didn't talk about that. And it's it's not that we didn't want to. It's that we don't want this show to be three hours long. Um, <laughs> Folks that don't also don't want this show to be three hours long, Garrett, as you mentioned, a bunch of new subscribers joining the oh, channel yeah. right now over on the YouTube. You can also listen to the uh, the podcast on Apple, Spotify. If you're on your way into work, you can't pull up the video feed. No matter where you subscribe and enjoy the three technique, we really appreciate it. We're so pumped uh, to have you on board. We are almost to 150 episodes all time on this show, and the, the support, the momentum continues to grow. Uh, so big shout out to uh, especially all the new subscribers. Um, for those of you that may not know, you can find us on our social media at 3TechPod, Instagram, Twitter, threads. Uh, we're everywhere. We'd love to have you. 
be a part of the show. You can write in questions before the previews. You can ask us things for our live reactions after. Uh, just basically anywhere you consume college football content, uh, we are there. Of course, we produce this content in proud partnership with the Transfer Portal CFB. We've enjoyed working with them for the last several months. We write a weekly article, headlines and review for the website as well. And uh, truly, game day is not the same without the Transfer Portal uh, Twitter account, tweeting clips, no context college football is obviously the, the account that powers this all. And uh, we love interacting with Liam, all the, all the fun things that he comes up with. You can also head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Get yourself some of the best college apparel on the market. The logos are retro. They look fantastic, and they are the most comfortable shirts you will wear on game day. You want to win at the water cooler. You want to win on Saturday. We're wearing home field in both instances. We're really glad to, uh, to be partnered with them. First-time buyers can get 15% off by using our code 3TechPod. Uh, 3 I'm sorry. 15% off your entire order. If you've already bought, which we have a lot of you that have bought merch through our code, you can head on over to our Twitter. We'll repaste the link. You can buy through that link. You still get 15% off. So whether you're new, whether you've you've uh, already enjoyed it, you can get that discount. We're really excited to be working with them. All right, guys, we paid the bills. Three Tech Big Three. It waits for nobody, but especially this week. This is an exciting lineup, and again, it felt like I was leaving games out, limiting it to three. But without a doubt, the biggest game on everybody's radar, including College Game Day, they will be there in Tuscaloosa on Saturday night when number 11, Texas, goes to number three, Alabama. The Crimson Tide are seven-point favorites. You can watch this in primetime, 7 p.m. on ABC Trey, let's start with you. I mean, Texas has what seems to be an elite defense. Alabama answered some questions last week when they started Jalen Milrow, and listen, he looked fine, right? He he threw for almost 200 yards through the air. His legs were especially dangerous. I'm really interested to see how the quarterback battle shakes out. Quinn Ewers didn't wow us last week. Jalen Milrow maybe silenced some of the critics. Do you find that this game comes down to the arms of Milrow and yours, or are you looking at a different position battle? It's, I mean, the quarterback battle is always going to be, you know, right at the center of everybody's attention. I don't know that it's going to come down to the arm of Milrow because I don't know that Alabama is going to let him be in that situation, right? It will come down to the arm of Quinn Ewers because that's how Sark and company have chosen to run their offense. And for quite frankly, they struggled to run the ball at times last week against Rice. It did not look pretty for a good portion of that game. Now, they turned it on in the second half. They looked like they flipped a switch at halftime, and they got some things figured out, so credit to them for that. But it wasn't an opener that I think most Longhorn fans are excited about going into this week against Tuscaloosa, or again, in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. I don't think that you know your average Longhorn fan is more confident after that game against Rice than they were before. So... It's going to be fascinating to see. The other thing that I'm really watching is, you know, this game was so much closer than anybody expected last year. I think most people, I think the line was like 21 points or something crazy like that. Alabama barely escapes on a last second field goal, but we're going to see a completely different offensive scheme, a completely different offensive strategy than we did last year in Austin from the Crimson Tide. Obviously the a quarterback with a different skill set with Jalen Milrow instead of Bryce Young. So it's going to be fascinating to me to watch. It's going to be a really interesting chess match between Nick Saban, between Tommy Reese, and between uh, Steve Sarkeesian. 
I don't know. It's going to be a really uh, exciting game to watch. I think it's going to be a really close one for about three quarters. To me right now, I just have to see it to believe it with the Longhorns under Sark. I really haven't seen, you know, in a close game, in one that's coming down to the wire, we just haven't seen them take control of a game that is kind of hanging in the balance, right? It's either been, you know, a close one that they let slip away or it's been one that they dominate from start to finish. We haven't seen them really take control of a game that's hanging in the balance late. And we've seen Nick Saban do that for, gosh, almost 20 years now, right? If he hasn't put a team away already, he's going to take control in the fourth quarter and Alabama's just going to Alabama. So for me, I need to see it to believe it for Sark. I've seen it a million times with Saban. So I think this is a close one for about three quarters in the fourth quarter. We just see Alabama be Alabama. And I think they pull away in the fourth and barely cover. So I'm taking Alabama minus the seven. But I think it's going to be a fantastic football game. I think it's going to be a really fun one to watch for the entirety of it. Garrett, uh, this is a a game that's going to be the most polarizing topic, no matter which way you slice week two, right? Because coming into it, this is the best matchup on paper. Uh, Coming out of the weekend, regardless of what the result is, I think you're going to have the sky is falling for one team and, oh my gosh, a national championship is in reach for the other what are kind of your key keys to victory for, for each team in this game? Right. So for me, going into this matchup, I was already watching the quarterback play in the offseason and saying one of the big reasons I was, you know, kind of on the fence about this one in the offseason had to do with the quarterbacks, right? It had to do with the fact that we didn't know who Bama was going to trot out there. And if it was Milrow, we hadn't seen anything consistent from him, really kind of struggled with some of the arm talent and some of the games he saw last year. And then Quinn apparently was going to make this step. I've since day one with Quinn said that when he gets pressured, he struggles. His feet aren't very good. He kind of gets flat footed, just stands around in the pocket, which does affect his deep ball accuracy. It does affect, you know, kind of how he ends up handling the pressure when it ratchets up. And guys, after this last weekend, I think we're moving in different directions there. I think Jalen Milrow looked a lot better than I expected him to. Made some really good throws down the field. Now it was inconsistent. There were some underthrows, and against Texas, those will get picked. But Quinn is not taking the step that I think most people expected him to take. And, and it sure seems like he's struggling with some of the deep ball, maybe not commanding the offense. And, guys, I think the message boards kind of have this one pegged pretty well. The, the message boards in you know the Texas Longhorn sort of sphere – have been panicking the last couple days. You've seen them talking about how Malik Murphy should be the starting quarterback because he's got the physicality and the, the something else. You've seen them talking about how they looked over at Texas A&M and Connor Wigman and how they picked the wrong quarterback. I, I've seen it all on those message boards. And is it overreacting? Yeah, of course it is. That's week one. Um, but but I said this was going to be a Quinn Ewers legacy game going into it, and I'm going to stand by that. He needs to succeed in this game. The big issue here for me it is not going to be the the Texas receivers against DBs. It's not going to be the you know the anything that has to do with the Texas defense. Can they stop Alabama? For me, I'm looking at the Texas offensive line. If the Texas offensive line can keep the pass rush off of Quinn, then I think Texas has a real chance here to go into Tuscaloosa and do something big. But without probably your your lead running back, there's you know concerns that Baxter even play in this game. Without him. To, to keep things even if you can't establish the run behind that offensive line, if you can't keep the pass rush off Quinn and he gets a little happy feet, guys, this is not going to be a close game. If you have to ask me what's going to happen, do I believe in Alabama's defense getting pressure or Texas's offensive line keeping the pressure off him? I'm going to go with Bama on this one. I'm picking Bama minus seven. 
I think they pull away late. I do think it's close at halftime, but I just think it's too much for Alabama. Maybe the offensive line totally shocks us and, you know, keeps Alabama off. I just, I believe too much in them being able to scheme up blitzes, scheme up different coverages and different looks and just getting in Quinn's head from the, from the word go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to take Texas plus the seven points. I talked about this over on the ledger earlier uh, when we were recording, and I think Texas has a really good shot in this for a couple of reasons. Number one, half of Texas's staff is very familiar with Alabama. They're former Crimson Tide coaches, right? Garrett, you just talked about the offensive line. Kyle Flood knows what to expect from a pass rush standpoint. He's used to prepping against it every day in practice when he was in Tuscaloosa, right? Kelvin Banks leads a very veteran Texas offensive line who did a, a fairly solid job protecting Quinn a week ago. In fact, I wasn't really concerned with Quinn's pocket presence. I was concerned with his downfield accuracy. Secondly, I look at the front seven for Texas. Their pass rush and their linebackers' ability to not only defend the run, but also play pass coverage. I mean, heck, Jalen Ford had four interceptions last year, led the Big 12 uh, in that mark for linebackers. He picked off another one on Saturday. I really believe that this is the year that Texas says we're, we're tough enough, we're physical enough, and we can compete with the big boys on a week-in, week-out basis. My question isn't if Texas is tough enough. I believe they are. My question is, do they know how to win in the biggest moments? And that's something I can't ask or answer right now. It's a question that I've been asking myself all week when I'm trying to decide, do I sit on the fence? Do I take Texas plus the points or do I go with tried and true Alabama at home? But I think that Texas can keep this within a one score margin because of uh, the, the things I've already said. Plus, Garrett, as you mentioned, this is a legacy game for Quinn Ewers. If he doesn't rise to the occasion here, if he throws a dud in Tuscaloosa, the temperature only gets turned up on his seat. The calls for Arch Manning, Malik Murphy, only get louder. We've been told since this kid was in high school, he is the next coming. He was one of only three quarterbacks in the modern recruiting era to earn a 1,000 rating. It's time to put up or shut up and back up that rating and prove that he can have a moment on the highest stage. I'm inclined to believe that not just Quinn, but the team around him finally rises to an occasion and at least makes this interesting. I don't know if Texas is going to get it done in Tuscaloosa. In fact, I find it harder to believe that after they couldn't put Rice away. But we don't draw conclusions through the end of the season after week one. That's what the, that's what Twitter is for, right? That's what certain personalities on four-letter networks are for. We inform and we project, but we don't draw just indefinite conclusions and i think for texas to be you know kind of pushed out of the equation here would probably be an incorrect assumption i'm going to take texas plus the seven i'm going to give myself two of the outcomes the victory for the longhorns which i think would be a statement victory something they need to do to get to the playoff and also I'm allow them to uh, to cover that spread 
it, this is going to be a fascinating game, guys. I mean, this could be a short game as well. We could be talking about seven, eight possessions for each team if the running game gets going. That's Alabama's yep. bread and butter. We'll see what Texas can trot out there. Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, if Cedric Baxter uh, isn't able to go. Do you we, think the Longhorns can cover this? Uh, plus seven, or are you rolling with the tide? Uh, Trey, you've got a comment. Yeah, I was just going to say, we've talked about a Quinn Ewers legacy game a lot. It's a Steve Sarkeesian legacy game for me more than anything. I think that he has this one circled. I think the fan base has this one circled. They're, of course, going into the SEC next year. It's a preview of what they're going to get week in and week out. Obviously, they're not going to face a team the caliber of Alabama every week in the SEC. But look, it's going to turn a lot of heads in a positive direction if he can win this one, if he can steal it. There's going to be a lot of questions asked if he can't get this done this week against a vulnerable Alabama team. No doubt. No doubt. All right, let's go to the second game of the week in our big three. It's also on ABC, so you can just tune in to ABC pretty much all day long and have some fantastic matchups. Number 23, Texas A&M on the road against Miami. The Aggies are four-and-a-half-point favorites. 2.30 p.m. is when you can watch this. Guys, both teams had really impressive Week ones, they kept their opponents at bay. It's what they should have done, right? Miami of Ohio uh, let me down badly. I, I believe that they could cover that six and uh, 16 and a half point spread. They didn't even score a touchdown. New Mexico, on the other hand, put one complete drive together but could not stop. Texas A&M could not continue moving the chains. And so you've got two teams that traditionally have staked their reputation on defense going head-to-head. This was an ugly game a season ago. AM winning on their home turf 17 to 9. Garrett, I'm inclined to think that the Aggies are the much better team on paper. They've got the better quarterback. We saw that for sure last week when Connor Wegman uh, looked like a true budding star. Van Dyke, listen, he had his moment in the sun, but he's really struggled to put together consistent performances. I think this is going to be what AM can do in the air versus what Miami can do. On the ground, Anum the four and a half point favorites on the road. Is that an accurate mark? Um, I, I think it is mostly for the reason that you have to wait to see if AM can do what they did last week again, right? If AM can be the team they were last week where Connor Wigman has the best QBR in the nation, then yeah, it's going to be a long day, right? It's going to be a long day for Miami. It'll be a lot of fun for Aggie fans. By the way, comparing QBRs, Tyler Van Dyke right now is sitting at 67th in the nation. So if you're just looking for the quarterback edge, it's screaming Connor Wigman through one game. Obviously, we're not going to overreact to that. I doubt that either guy finishes in that place on the year. But when you look at what AM wants to do on offense, obviously the Bobby Petrino thing has been widely speculated about. It's his offense. It's clearly his offense. He's going to run it the way he wants to. And he knows how to attack a weakness. That was entirely what they did against New Mexico. The, you know, unexpected Noah Thomas emerging basically because they wanted to put a safety on him to cover him. And Bobby Petrino said, thank you. I will take that matchup every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. But you look at that against Miami. What's Miami going to do to try to line up against it defensively? Well, they're going to want to drop a lot of guys and basically tell them to run the football, right? They're going to say, let's put some safeties back. Let's play a little bit of soft coverage. Let's kind of give you the underneath stuff and just see if Connor Wigman can be patient and complete passes, right? If he can do that, then I think a and going to be off to the races and they're going to have a great game. They should also be trying to key in on running the football. Now, 
a lot of people don't want to talk about it, you know, from last week because of the way that the the passing went for AM. But AM did run for 160 yards, which is not nothing. It was a pretty effective game on the ground. Problem was it wasn't flashy, right? There weren't any massive long breakoff runs or a guy scampering free and gets into the second level. There's just a lot of really consistent running game. Now, <clears throat> flip that around for Miami. I'm concerned about Miami's ability to run in this game. Uh, I know that they had good success against the Red Hawks last week. Red Hawks don't have a defense. All right, they don't have anything worth a dang on defense. They they couldn't stop the run against you know the certain high school teams. Probably they're not very good. Okay, they cannot play good defense. With that being said, I do think Miami has an okay offensive line. I really think the key to this game is going to be how can their offensive line match up with the three down plus two off the edge that AM wants to run on defense. If AM can plug those holes well, if AM can be good in their gaps, it Miami won't be able to move the football because their entire pass game is, you know, sideline to sideline, lots of screens, lots of sit downs. Lots of out routes. They do not push the ball down the field. And if you can keep the ball in front of you for AM, make them execute for you know long drives down the field, that's not going to go their way. But again, if you're AM, you have to focus on making sure that you can keep that passing game pushed down the field and try to take the stuff that Miami wants to give you. If you ask me what happens, I think that is kind of the game plan. I think four and a half is really, really nice to Miami right now. I think AM is legit on offense. I think they're going to see it again. I'm going to give AM minus the four and a half, and I don't, I don't think it's even that close. A lot of this game is factoring in away for AM and everything else. Miami ain't going to put anybody in the stands. So, um, look, it, it's not a great home crowd. We can clown it as much as we want to. Go look at their, you know, ticket sales available as of last Sunday. It wasn't impressive. Um, so, look, AM minus four and a half. Give me the Aggies in this one to, to win it big and make a big statement to get back to where they want to be nationally. Yeah, they're doing a BOGO now. Did you see that? If you buy a ticket oh, to this game, you get a free ticket to the Georgia Tech game. So if you're in the Miami-Dade County area, you might want to look hey, into that. Hey, come for the Aggies, stay for the Jackets. Oh, that's the, worst, that's the worst BOGO maybe of all time. I, I don't <laughs> know. Maybe the Jackets are plucky. Maybe maybe we get to a ball game. I don't know. Week one wasn't impressive. <laughs> Trey, A&M and Miami both had a lot of flaws right after last year, both incredibly disappointing five and seven seasons. Who did more in this offseason to patch those holes and, and to com- to put a complete team and a roster together for 2023? To me, it feels like AM's done more to fix their problems. And I'll confess that I, I follow AM closer than I do Miami, um, being here in Texas. But listen, I this was a Miami team that only mustered nine points at Kyle field last year. It was the same quarterback. It was a lot of the same uh, players on the offensive side of the ball. Garrett, you mentioned that the defensive front is going to be a big, big uh, part of this game. And can Miami run the football? They ran for a lot of yards last week against Miami of Ohio, but that was the problem last year. They, the reason that AM was able to escape with a victory in that game with only putting up 17 points is the defensive line just dominated. Anum's defensive line, I think, has only gotten better. Um, they seem more disciplined. They seem like they understand uh, the scheme a little bit more in year two under uh, the new under the defensive coordinator. So, listen, we saw so many times last year that AM would just abandon what was working defensively and run a three man front that just didn't make a lot of sense. I'm thinking of the Quinshawn Judkins game where he ran for about 400 yards, and I. <laughs> 
the gap discipline is going to be everything to me because I think the better athletes are on AM side of the ball. I do think AM's done more to fix the issues. Just haven't seen it from Miami yet. Like I said about needing to see it to believe it with Quinn Ewers in Texas. This it's another thing with Miami. I just need to see it to believe it that they've done what they need to do to fix their problems. I know they dominated Miami of Ohio, but they just kind of looked like the same team that was on the field last year. They've dominated a couple cupcakes early in the year last year, but I'm more impressed with what AM has just kind of revolutionized their offensive side of the ball and their defense looks more disciplined this year. So because of all that, I'm leaning AM minus four and a half. I do think this is going to be another one that's really close for about half, and AM's athletes start to make it pull away in the second half. And look, Connor Wegman, if you don't know his name by now, you might, you're going to know his name by the end of the night on Saturday because I think he's going to have one or two throws on national TV, ABC primetime that just make people's jaws drop. Maybe they're tuning in a little bit early for Texas, Alabama. They see this kid they've never seen before. He's going to make some throws that really impress a lot of people this week that haven't seen him play yet. And he's going to write his name onto the scene. I'm calling it right now. It's going to be a big, big breakout game for Connor Wegman. I think the A&M, def- uh, the A&M offense, I'm sorry, if, if they get humming, I don't think Miami has the horses to stop them. I mean, remember, this is a team last year that was allergic to tackling. And when it comes to marked improvements, I don't know that Miami can say that they've made the same strides that Texas A&M has. Now, with that being said, I'm going to take Miami plus the four and a half. They are at home. I don't think that's a huge like advantage uh, aesthetic-wise, right? No Canes crowd is going to be loud and rocking the place because, well, they don't show up. But I do think there's something to be said about A&M getting punched in the mouth at some point during this game. We haven't really seen Connor Wegman make mistakes, right? He famously has not thrown an interception yet. At some point, that streak is going to get broken, and this is the biggest road game of his young career so far. To me, it feels like he's bound to make a mistake like that, and I want to see how he bounces back in those moments because as young as he is, This team is looking to Wegman as their leader. They've got all the skill position players. The offensive line is veteran, and they're back to playing, you know, the the level that I think most Aggies are hoping for. But Connor Wegman leads this team. I want to see if he can bounce back if he makes a mistake, how the defense specifically calms down the passing attack from Tyler Van Dyke. Listen, Van Dyke is not an elite quarterback. I don't think there are many people that are still arguing that. But I will say, if there is one weakness on this AM team, you might look at the secondary, specifically at the cornerback position. AM's just not very deep there right now. And at some point, a team is going to pick on them and score some points through the air. I wonder if that's Miami at home. They know what happened last year when they got caught in a slugfest on the ground. It didn't work. They lost to a much more physical team. If they go aerial trying to score, I don't know that AM has a an answer that we can point to just yet. So I think this game is closer than what folks may originally guess. Uh, I am going to take Texas A&M to win. They're the better team. They've got the better talent. I'm going to believe in that, but maybe to hedge my bets, maybe because I'm curious to see how a young Connor Wegman handles the pressure and the lights on the road. I'll take the Canes plus the points uh, just to even that out. Our final game of the big three, number 20 Ole Miss. Seven and a half point favorites at number 22 Tulane. They're going to the Big Easy. 
2.30 p.m. kick on ESPN. You can flip between this and the A&M Miami game. I think you'll have a pretty fun afternoon. Uh, guys, the over-under when we bet it was at uh, 65, and we all unanimously took the over in this. The points are going to be flowing in this game, probably like the libations are in New Orleans. Uh, I'm expecting all the offense here. Uh, Trey Harris had himself a week last week for Ole Miss. Uh, Six catches, 133 yards, four touchdowns. Michael Pratt had a very efficient week, almost as efficient of a week as you can have. 14 of 15, 294 yards, and four touchdowns against South Alabama. Jackson Dart didn't do bad as well. Four touchdowns for the Rebs. For me, guys, this comes down to the defense. And I was down on Tulane last week. I'll admit that. I whiffed on South Alabama. But Tulane's ability, despite losing several key playmakers, to rally to the football and to force not one, not two, not three, not four, but five turnovers against South Alabama, a veteran team that was not supposed to be shaken in the moment, is a big sign of success for me. I might have been slow to the party, but I will absolutely say that Michael Pratt is one of the best quarterbacks at the G5 level. Ole Miss has not been known for defense over the last few years. They've made some improvements through the transfer portal, but going on the road is very different than playing in the SIP. Give me Tulane plus the seven and the hook. I think they keep this very, very close, and there are a lot of folks saying that Tulane can pull this upset outright. I don't know that I'm going to say that on this show, but I do think the Green Wave will keep this interesting. It's going to be a fantastic atmosphere in New Orleans. If you haven't seen already, the tickets are sold out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans there as well, but Tulane, when they're winning, they pack that stadium and they have a fantastic atmosphere uh, down there in the heart of New Orleans. And listen, if, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know I'm not going to pick Lane Kiffin in a big spot. You know that I'm not going to give him any love that he doesn't deserve. If he so wants just all the attention and all the love, I'm not going to give him any. And I know that Ole Miss has the better athletes. I know that they probably, the odds say that they'll probably pull away late, but I think Tulane has a fantastic chance to cover. And like you said, Mitch, not just cover, but maybe even win this game. It's going to be a fantastic, fascinating matchup, though, because you think back to the Cotton Bowl last year with Tulane taking down USC, just a miraculous comeback there at the end. A lot of things had to go their way for them to come out on top in that game. Two very different teams that they are going to have to figure out how to take on. The giant that they slayed back in January was a pass first team that was, you know, score quick, strike fast, big arm quarterback with Caleb Williams, lots of talented receivers moving really quickly. Ole Miss is going to go quick too, but they want to hit you on the ground with Quinshot Jenkins. That is their bread and butter. Jackson Dart, I know he had fantastic stats against who cares, you know, private school FCS team last week, but he's not the guy that they want to have the game on his shoulders when it comes down to it. They want to give it to Quinshot Jenkins. They want him to run for a ton of yards. They want him to have about four touchdowns by the end of the day. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Tulane handles that. And, you know, the matchup we highlighted here, Tulane front seven versus not just Quinshot Jenkins, but a power five SEC offensive line that wants to run the ball right down their throats. I'm fascinated to see how they hold up against that. Because against USC, they were kind of able to control the ground game. They gave it to Ty J Spears, and USC really didn't have an answer for that. So Tulane could take the air out of the ball just a little bit, control the clock a little bit more, and you know keep USC's offense off the field by running the football. 
that's not really going to be the case in this one. Ole Miss is going to be able to do that pretty well, I think. It could be another game that goes by really, really quickly, like we were talking about with Texas and Alabama, as both teams just kind of try to bludgeon each other on the ground. But I really think Tulane has a chance to hold up against that. They're a really good G5 team. They went to a New Year's Six Bowl for a reason, and there's a reason that they're favored to go back to a New Year's Six Bowl again this year. Tons of talent. I think they might even have the quarterback edge too. So if it comes down to it, Michael Pratt game on the line might like him a little bit more than Jackson dart. I don't know for sure, but I think that I'm confident enough to say Tulane keeps it close. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, guys, you guys are making a lot of sense. Um, and, and, you know, I picked Tulane plus seven and a half as well just to say, you know, they'll keep it close. I felt like I was kind of hedging my bet with that one. And then I looked at that, you know, nice, crisp, blue home field shirt in my background with that green wave mascot on it i'm gonna go ahead and call the upset okay i'm gonna say tulane is going to upset ole miss at home for a variety of reasons first off they have the qb edge i'm gonna go ahead and say that michael pratt is a better quarterback than jackson dart and i think he's gonna prove it in this game he's experienced he's been there he's been in the limelight and jackson dart he, he's played a little bit but he's been so up and down that i don't know which version of him i'm gonna get on the road loud crowd stakes maybe trailing at a certain point in this game I, I don't know that i trust jackson dart long term combine that with the fact that you know guys we're talking about quinchon judkins and him being able to get his against that front seven guys south alabama rushed the ball 32 times for 75 yards that's good for 2.3 per rush last week now i know quinchon judkins is way better than anything that south alabama was putting on the field don't get me wrong he's a very talented back and he will get his I don't think he'll get enough to keep up with the Tulane offense. I was really impressed by some of the playmakers I saw last week for Tulane. I was really impressed with their ability to pass it and and kind of spread the ball around last week. And at the end of the day, I think what it really comes down to is this game means so much to Tulane. It's a school in the South. They, They have those big brands that they constantly have to say they're the little school, you know, they're the little guy down there, rinky dink team. And, and they're not one of the big boys in the sec or anything like that. They have to hear that. And I think it just means more to them. I think it means more to the Tulane green wave. So give me Tulane to win this one outright. I'm going to pick the upset again this week and we're going to go with Tulane to, to win this one. I hope you're right. I think that would be great. How fun for, would that be? That It would be a lot of fun. It would. I'm I going mean, with goodness. my heart on this one. Okay, Bourbon, Street, Bourbon Street would drown in the celebration. Um, and listen, I, I think we would like to see that over on, on Twitter. Uh, let us know. Do you think Tulane can pull off the upset? Seven and a half at home. Not a huge number. Uh, we're all on the green wave to cover. Hopefully that's an entertaining game. Uh, Those are our big three, the three games that you absolutely must find a way to watch in some part, in all, uh, no excuses. Find a way to get in front of a TV. Now, of course, a lot of other games going on, and a couple of these were snubbed for big three games of the week. I think this first one, number 13, Oregon, 
on the road at Texas Tech. A lot of other weeks makes the big three. Not this week, though, and, well, part of that may be Texas Tech's fault. Uh, Oregon ranked 13. They beat Portland State a billion to seven last week. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites out in Lubbock, 6 p.m. on Fox. Listen, Texas Tech did not play like themselves last week. Uh, and, you know, we've said that, you know, we don't draw these huge conclusions in week one. We're not overreacted, you know, hot take artists, even though Garrett is the keeper of the takes. Um, I'm going to say this. Oregon's the better team. They are. They have the better offense. They might have the better defense. But one week against Portland State, a playoff contender does not make. I think Texas Tech had a terrible week. I think they got off to a 17-0 lead, and then they fell asleep at the wheel. I think there's something real to be said about that altitude in Laramie that probably got them uh, in that second half of the game where Red Raiders just couldn't recover. They had special teams issues with their kicker, missing three of, of five attempts. I think Texas Tech slings the tortillas this week. I've said it all offseason long. Oregon should be very wary going into Jones AT&T Stadium after, well, not after dark, but during the evening where those Red Raider fans are going to be lubed up. They're going to be ready to go. It is going to be a wild atmosphere. I can't say that Texas Tech for sure pulls this upset with a ton of confidence. But I did predict that the Red Raiders would win this. And as I said, one week doesn't draw all the conclusions for it. Tyler Shuck is a good quarterback when he stays healthy. The Red Raiders got nothing from their defense last week. Let's put Oregon on upset alert. The Texas Tech Red Raiders knock off the Oregon Ducks in one of the biggest stories of week two in Lubbock. Mitch, I love it. I am not quite on the upset bandwagon, but I definitely am taking Tech plus the six and a half points uh, in the spread here. Weird things happen when Power 5 travels to G5. That's one of the mantras that I live by in uh, – college football and analyzing college football just weird things happen you can't take one game out of context it doesn't ruin a whole season and just the context of that whole game it was just whatever could go wrong did go wrong for texas tech look they weren't bad on third down they were 7 of 17 overall certainly respectable but between going up 17 to nothing and then finally tying the game at 20 at the end of regulation they had four drives that were four plays or less and then the three missed field goals that you mentioned so if they convert on just one of those missed field goals and escape Laramie with a 23 to 20 regulation victory, I think we're having a completely different conversation, completely different mindset about the red Raiders and no one's really panicking. Look, we definitely give them a pass if they were able to escape. I know you got to win the ones that you struggle in. I know that they're expected to win that game up in Laramie. If they're going to be a championship contender in the big 12, but weird things happen with young teams and whatever could go wrong, did go wrong for them. So I'm still high on the Red Raiders long-term. I don't know if they're going to win this week. I do think the crowd's going to be fantastic in Lubbock, regardless of the result last week. And Oregon really, really struggles when they leave the Northwest for a non-conference game. They're just 1-4 in in Power 5 non-con games away from Autzen Stadium since 2014. The one win, of course, being at Ohio State a couple years ago. But time and time again, we've seen Oregon leave the Northwest and come back with a fat L. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if you're confidently betting Oregon this week, I think you need to open your eyes to some real realities about that. Uh, the only reality I need to open my eyes to is the fact that Oregon's ruthless 
Okay, I've said it a couple times. I'll retire it probably after this one. But last week, Oregon curb stomped a five-year-old, and that's that's just awful. That's abysmal. Um, I, I can't believe they did what they did to Portland State. Uh, and, look, you can break down all the stats for them. You can talk about how Bo Nix had an awesome first game and, you know, how they did whatever they wanted to on offense. You can talk about how once they got to 80, they probably should have just gone for 100, right, to, to put it up just to do it. At, at the end of the day, Oregon's a ruthless team. They got the intensity. They know what they want to do. They, they've got some other kind of mission, right? Because you don't put up 81 on nobody unless you got a mission you're trying to prove to somebody. Flip side, you guys have broken down tech. There was a little bit of sloppy. They might be better this week. I think they probably will be better this week. A little pissed off, right? Got a little blood in your mouth. A little backed into a corner. Wounded animal syndrome. Kind of that thing. I, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I really don't. I, I was a lot more optimistic on tech through the off season. And, man, I'm, I'm going to overreact to week one on this one. I think Oregon takes care of business. They, they seem to be on a mission to, to really win the eye test. And I think that they're going to win the eye test on Fox at 6 o'clock. I, just, I think they're going to take care of their business. And, look, it, it, I could come back to regret this one. It, it could be a really close game. Lubbock is a crazy place to play in the first place. So that, that is another whole factor there. I, I just don't think that. You know, you pointed out the one and four. All that tells me is they're due, right? That they've, they've got to win one of them. So I, I think it's a bad week to be a Red Raider this time. I think Oregon's just on a mission. And, you know, I, I'm really curious to see how they want to win this one and kind of how they go about. Are, are they going to play physical? Are they going to try to outspeed these guys? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that they can do this. But give me Dan Lanning and the Ducks uh, to, to win this one. And, and I'll give them the minus six and a half as well. Maybe my bunker hill to, to die on this <laughs> Texas Tech hill, but we're committed, and uh, I still think that this is a good football team. There you go. Number 10, Notre Dame, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at NC State. This is an 11 a.m. kick on ABC, so there's the, the first leg of your trifecta. Over ABC killing it this week. Just I know. Keep it locked American right Broadcasting Network. Shout-out Linear Cable. Um, Garrett, you said on the, the ledger – Notre Dame had an easy game this week. Uh, you took Notre Dame in a money line parlay that you put together. I need you to back up this take that Dave Doran's group at home is not going to put up a challenge. Uh, seven and a half point dogs at home, I'll give you that. But Brennan Armstrong didn't look terrible against UConn. Some kinks to iron out, no doubt. But uh, at the end of the day, this is should still be a really good football team, but you seem to disagree. I don't understand how you call 155 yards passing against UConn, like not terrible. I just don't get that. Like, look, was it an abysmal effort? No, if it was abysmal, they would have lost to UConn, right? UConn's not a bad squad. They probably get it. But UConn's not Notre Dame. UConn's just not Notre Dame. And this has so much less to do with what NC State's bringing and way more to do with Notre Dame. Um, if you look at Notre Dame's st season statistics right now, They've got right now through two games over a thousand yards of offense. They've got a thousand and one yards of offense, so barely made it over. But they've also given up 325 total yards of offense in two games. Yes, they played Navy. Yes, they played Tennessee State. No, neither of those teams have a pulse. They're also averaging 37.9% completions against them right now that they're playing really, really well on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah, they've given up six points so far through two games. 
this Notre Dame defense is really, really good. It's exceptional on the back end. I don't think anything's going to be easy through the air for NC State. Meanwhile, I'm just waiting for somebody to put up a fight against them on the defensive side of the ball. Look, Notre Dame gets what they want right now on offense. And again, I know it's nobody. They didn't play anybody. But it's two games of 500 yards, basically, offense. They're they're doing an incredible thing. I picked them to go to the playoff. I think they're going to keep that rolling. Uh, I picked Notre Dame. I'll give them minus a seven and a half. I think this one is another, you know, Notre Dame statement game. And like I said earlier in the season, Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference, so they have to win the eye test. They have to. If they're going to make the playoff, they can't win these games with small margins. They can't barely squeak out a game against NC State. They can maybe afford to do that if they're playing Ohio State, but they can't afford to barely beat NC State. So they're going to be motivated. I think they've got the right mindset. Love what Hartman's doing right now. So, yeah, give me Notre Dame all day, every day, and I'm going to take them against NC State minus the 7.5. Listen, I, I don't necessarily think that NC State covers this spread, uh, but I do think that NC State's defense specifically is being slept on. Now, look, did, did we see the full might of whatever NC State's going to run out there on offense in week one? No, no, very clearly not. NC State had the lead. It was in doubt early, but remember, they, they pulled away and kind of kept UConn at arm's bay, right? So they didn't have to throw the ball all over the lot. That's all I'll say about that. I, I think NC State's a better a better team than what maybe some have concluded after their week uh, zero game against UConn. I, I've got Notre Dame covering this, though, seven-and-a-half-point spread. I think they're the better team. There's better offense for sure. Sam Hartman is, is going to get his. Uh, Trey has Notre Dame minus the points as well. Let's go to Nebraska. Huh? Nebraska at number two, 22, Colorado. Colorado <laughs> jumps into the rankings after their upset of TCU a week ago. They are just three-point favorites, though, 11 a.m. on Fox. We're a little concerned about why that number is auspiciously low. Guys, as I said in the ledger, Colorado being at number three doesn't really smell right to me, but I watched Nebraska play. Nebraska's defense, I think, was a little bit better than what I expected early on, but their offense was not. Uh, They can run the ball a little bit, but Jeff Sims is not a quarterback that's going to take his team to the promised land. Matt Rule, I I, I trust the rebuild. He's done it at two other schools before, but this is year one, and we know Matt Rule struggles to compete in year one. Give me Colorado minus three. I mean, they were so explosive last week. The defense was good enough. I still worry about the trenches, but the skill positions for Colorado are very, very real. And I think they take care of business at home against Nebraska. Two things really quickly, giving me cause for pause a little bit on Colorado. Number one, you always got to ask what Vegas knows when the line looks weird like this. I was expecting it to be in the seven and a half to eight range. So three is sending all kinds of red flags and alarm bells off on my end over here. And two, it's going to be really interesting to see how Colorado responds to all this positive attention that they've gotten this week, right? Because all the talking heads, all the podcasts, all the media sphere around college football is praise Deion Sanders, praise Shadur, praise Travis Hunter, two Heisman candidates, right? Whatever praise you want to give on this Colorado team after they've had the chip on their shoulder narrative all off season, right? They, they kind of culminated in the TCU game of, you know, everybody doubted us, everybody, you know, that no one believed in us and look what we did. 
now that everybody's flipped the script on you, how do you handle that attention? How do you handle that positive attention? Do you come out and lay an egg against Nebraska? Or do you prove everybody right for finally believing in you? It's going to be fascinating to see how Deion Sanders handles this in his first big-time program. I'm leaning Colorado minus three. I do think that they take care of business. That crowd in Boulder, we've seen it firsthand. Garrett and I have seen it firsthand at least. When they are winning or when they think they have a chance to win, they are hostile and they are in your face, and it is not going to be a fun day to be wearing red in Boulder, Colorado. So I think that crowd and I think that energy kind of carries them through. I think they don't have too much trouble with Nebraska, but there are some concerns, some red flags for me here. But I'll lock in Colorado minus three. Yeah, and my big thing is just can Colorado put on the repeat, right? They, they Like you were saying, Trey, underdog mentality, chip on the shoulder. Was it a good week of practice? Did they come into the locker room Monday, everyone hooting, hollering, getting real excited? Or was it, you know, back to work, back to focusing? I think the great news for Colorado is Nebraska is stinky at football. Yeah. They just, they're really, really bad. That that game was aggressively terrible that they play. I hated watching that game. The only good part of that game was that touchdown Minnesota scored to go up and, and end up winning. So, look, you know. I, I don't know. I, I think Colorado's probably a little overrated right now. They definitely did a good job, and we apologized for doubting them, right? But uh, I think that Nebraska is the perfect team to follow up on. They're not going to be very good. I'm going to pick Colorado minus three. I'm still looking at weeks four and five as my big prove it point, right? If they can go in four and five, Oregon and USC, and they can take care of their business, then great. Let's change the script on Colorado don't necessarily expect those games to be very close right now, but let's see how they play the next couple of weeks and then talk about it week four. This is the earliest that Colorado has been ranked in a season since 2003. They went from unranked to jumping up into the polls. Number 22. We'll see. We'll see if the buffs can, uh, can back it up, but uh, yeah, Nebraska, I don't know that they're going to be a challenge this week. SMU. Goes up to Norman to take on number 18, Oklahoma. The Sooners are 15 and a half point favorites. Guys, this is comical. This is a great game. This should be a whole lot of fun. But unless you have an ESPN Plus subscription, you don't get to watch it. This is so such a small upgrade from the pay-per-view, like literally pay-per-view that Oklahoma fans are used to have to doing for non-conference games. I mean... <laughs> This is egregious. This is a regional football game between two very good teams, and it's not on a linear channel. I, I just I'm blown away by this. I think I think Preston Stone is going to be a lot of fun. I think SMU's offense is going to be a lot of fun. But what I'm most looking forward to, guys, seeing how this defense plays. They played really well a week ago against Louisiana Tech, which say all you want about the Bulldogs. SMU's defense didn't really play well against anybody last year i'm looking towards smu here and saying okay if you can put it together if you can keep it close for three quarters get to the fourth quarter with a puncher's chance i know oklahoma scored all the points against arkansas state but i believe in this smu team you heard joseph hoyt dallas formerly of the dallas morning news talk about it on the podcast uh and talk about his preview smu should be a legit team this year give me the ponies plus the points yeah, I think SMU is going to keep up in this one. I think they're going to do a good job. I don't think they're going to win it, but I am going to pick SMU plus the 15 and a half. I think the the pass rush was good enough. The defense was good enough. I'm still curious to see 
what will happen in the back end of that defense now that they're going to get stretched a little bit with that, I mean, potent Oklahoma passing attack. I mean, they, they took a book out of Oregon's playbook and just curb stomped an inferior opponent. So, I mean, shout out to Oklahoma for that one. I'm sure that felt really good after last season. Um, but, you, you know, I think at the end of the day, SMU is not quite as good. They don't quite have the players to compete. Um, and I think Oklahoma will win this one. But, I mean, watch this one to be a 7-10 to 10 point game late in this one. And, and maybe OU has the sort of real late score, you know, pulls away at the end to cover. I don't think it'll happen. I think SMU is going to answer – uh, you know, blow for blow with them, and, and I think Oklahoma ends up on top at the end of the day. Maybe a couple of a couple of turnovers that end up, you know, biting SMU long term. Oklahoma really impressed me last week. Not only did they put up seventy three, they pitched their first shutout against an FBS opponent since twenty thirteen. I, I think the Sooners are quietly on the up and up for this year, and so uh, it pains me to say it. I think that they cover late. I think that Oklahoma covers late. SMU fights hard for three and a half quarters, but maybe a last second touchdown gives Oklahoma about a 17 ish point win. I think Oklahoma is really quietly talented. If the coaching staff and the schematics can get out of their own way, they can put, they have the pieces to put together a really special season. Guys, let's go to a game that was absolutely crazy last year on the ACC network at four 15 in the central time zone app state at number 17, North Carolina, Tar Heels looked very good in their week one win over South Carolina. They are 18-point favorites over Appalachian State. Game last year was bonkers, right? I mean, nothing made sense in that offensive shootout. 63-61, the final score. The big change this year, Gene Chizik might have actually fixed the defense. Uh, he came in last year, and you know he, he had quotes saying, basically, they don't know how to do anything fundamentally sound. It's all flash and sizzle but but no actual stake and last year it showed right that defense couldn't stop anybody it seems like maybe after a year of working in the lab gene chizik might have been misaligned now it was only one week against south carolina but in a rivalry game they had nine sacks and 16 tackles for loss garrett is north carolina legit and and if so do they handle the app state kind of easily this week oh north carolina is legit i mean you don't get nine sacks unless you're doing something right right you don't you know accident your way into nine sacks i mean yeah south carolina had a bad game on the offensive line but it's still a whole lot of sacks to get for a team that you know i think really took a, a step in the right direction and you have to remember too drake may did not play his best game at the quarterback position last week he, he definitely has more in the tank I think that he'll play better this week. At the same time, 18 is a whole lot of points, and I think App State's going to be competitive enough. Um, they have a good coaching staff there that knows kind of how to take the the air out from under the ball when they need to, and so I think that's going to be the game plan for this one is just sit on the ball, new rules, right, run a lot of clock, get some nine, ten-minute drives in there, something like that, really frustrate UNC, get them out of rhythm. Still think UNC wins this one without too much of a fight, but I am going to pick App State to cover that 18 and a, uh, or just the 18 rather. Garrett, how do you know that's going to be their game plan? It's like you've seen that movie before. Um, uh, well, I've seen it live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two, week two, about a 17, 18 point dog on the road. Give me App State. Uh, something like that. <laughs> I, I, like, I like North Carolina in this one, guys. I don't know that App State is going to be 
quite as punchy as they were last year. Drake May, he didn't play great last week. I, I was kind of confused when the headlines the next day were, oh, Drake May leads North Carolina to a win. Well, he absolutely had a hand in it. But for me, the story was on the defense. May threw a couple interceptions. So I think he's got some kinks to work out in his game. I think uh, week one is is getting on the runway, right? This week at home, I think that defense might smother App State into the ground. I don't know that they're going to be able to run the ball like they were a season ago. Um, I certainly don't know that App State can can sling it like they did at times, certainly against UNC with with uh, Chase Bryce a season ago. I'm going to take North Carolina. It just doesn't feel like the recipe is, is quite there for App State. They may be able to take the air out of the ball, but you got to move the, the chains, right? you got to get first downs for that to, to take effect. I don't know if App State's going to be able to do that. So I'll take North Carolina and give the point. Other games on the slate. I mentioned that this was a loaded schedule in week two. Here are our quad box offerings, and guys, I'll give them to you kind of in chunks and let you run with them how you will. We've got Illinois at Kansas on Friday night. Kansas is a three-point favorite against the Illini. They're wearing their throwback blackout jerseys, which is going to be a ton of fun to, to, uh, to watch. We've got the Cyhawk Trophy, Iowa and Iowa State, 2.30 p.m. on Fox. And Garrett, we've got Utah going to Baylor, 11 a.m. on ESPN. I'll, I'll let you lead off here. Which of these three games stands out to you? And which one are you most likely to watch? I'm going to be watching the Utes. I mean, you know me at this point. I'm watching the Utes playing Baylor. That's going to be on my TV at 11 a.m. It's one of my favorite games in the early anyways, so I'm going to be watching Utah and Baylor. Look, Baylor obviously had the disaster against Texas State, uh, and then they lost their quarterback as well, who actually played a pretty good game, kind of heroically kind of almost brings it back, but, you know, it ends up coming up a little bit short. Um, Utah smashing it against Florida. Florida, not a very good team, not very good at football, not not good. Um, but Utah minus seven and a half. I know they're on the road. I get it. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take them to win that one minus a seven and a half. I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm curious about that Iowa-Iowa State game. Don't know if y'all have any thoughts on that one. I mean, outside of obviously talking about Kansas, those uniforms are going to be amazing. The Blackhawk with the circus font and everything looks amazing. Uh, but I don't know. Iowa-Iowa State, what are you guys thinking about the Cyhawk? Yeah, Illinois-Kansas, uh, very fun standalone game. True unstoppable force and movable object game. But on the Cyhawk... This game is usually wild, and it's usually a lot of defense. You know, doing some research for this one, no team has eclipsed 30 points since they both did in 2017, and oh. five uh, five out of the last nine, excuse me, uh, each of the last five and nine out of the last 11 matchups have been decided by 10 points or less. So wow. current over-under is at 36.5. It's the lowest over-under of the year so far, even lower than Northwestern and UTEP this week. Oh. So... If you love defense, uh, tune in. It is going to be a defensive slugfest. I've got Iowa coming out on top of this one. Part of a parlay I've got in the ledger as well. I've got Iowa as well. Listen, their offense petered out last week. I'm I'm concerned about that. Great. You scored 14 in the first quarter, but then you couldn't sustain that, right? Uh, can Iowa put up points in a consistent manner? Iowa State scored 30-plus last week against Northern Iowa, a very different challenge taken on the Hawkeyes. It is at home, and Iowa State just, I mean, 
listen, no matter how good either team is, it's a rivalry game. I think the, the clones are up for this one. I'm going to take Iowa State plus the points. I think the, the Hawkeyes win it because they are the better team. But it's, you know, it's tough to project how many points are going to be scored in this. It, the over-under is that low for a reason. I'll take the points. I do think Iowa finds a way to get it done, but I can't say that confidently. I will say big storyline to watch in that one. Can Iowa get to 26 points to get back on no. track no. for their 25 <laughs> points again? That's going to be the storyline. you got to watch it. And if they don't, how far do they fall from that? Because you're starting to stack up a little bit of a – a little bit of a deficit there if you're the if you're the Hawkeyes. So got to watch out for that. Shout out to the Sickos committee for the Price is Right yodeling guy graphic. <laughs> yeah. That sound has been stuck in my head all week as yeah. climbs that hill, hopefully. Uh, another trifecta of games. You got Troy at number 15, Kansas State, minus a 16 in the hook. Arizona at Mississippi State, uh, who are nine-point favorites, which kind of surprises me, fellas. And then UCLA and San Diego State. San Diego State is Iowa with a suntan. Uh, we, we talked about that tweet last week. UCLA's 14 and a half point favorites. They didn't exactly bludgeon Coastal into submission. Trey, you you have staked your claim. Do the weird things happen when power five teams go to, to group of five teams? This number seems absurdly high given the opponent and the lack of offense that UCLA had in week one. It, it does. And San Diego State's defense, I think, is going to have a lot of success against a UCLA offense that's still trying to find its footing. And UCLA, frankly, usually starts slow and starts season slow under Chip Kelly. So I'm on, in on San Diego State. I'm also in on Arizona, guys. I think that they can Dang. come in and play a really close game. Uh, Delaire had a really rough game when these two teams faced off in the desert last year. Three picks. It was one of his first starts for the uh, for the wildcats so i think he's kind of worked some things out i think mississippi state is still trying to find their groove in their new system and i think arizona can take advantage of that i don't know that they're going to come into starkville and get the victory but i am taking them to cover the nine points yeah i feel good about mississippi state in that one i know y'all pretty big on arizona i just think that the better team I think that it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call after last week's performance, and they're going to get back on the horse, take care of business. Um, and then, again, looking at that Troy and Kansas State, I know that Kansas State had problems with that, with the with the you know G5 and the, and the lower types of opponent. I know that that's kind of an issue, but you got to remember, this is a different type of Kansas State team than we've seen in the past, and especially after they kind of found their identity last year, passing the football a little bit more, using their running backs out of the backfield. I think that Kansas State is going to take care of business here as well. So, you know, the 16 and a half points that they're having to cover, I think they cover that one and a little bit. I know Troy's got a solid defense. I just, I think Kansas State's really good on offense. Troy put up 48 in their opener against Stephen F. Austin. Um, so the offense does have a pulse. Now, does it have a pulse against a really good power five team? That remains to be seen. I, I think I lean taking Troy plus the points, but Kansas State wins this game. And as long as they get off somewhat quick of a start, as long as you know the engine doesn't need to turn over, I think Kansas State can win this comfortably while Troy also covers. Uh, if they don't, if they don't get out of the blocks quick, they have a bad history with, with losing to lesser opponents. Uh, that might be a game to watch, 11 a.m. FS1 if you are interested. 
Uh, final three piece here for you in the quad box. Auburn goes to Cal minus six and a half on the road. This is a nine thirty kick on ESPN. If you are up late looking for something to do, this is a game to watch. Oklahoma State is three and a half point favorites at Arizona State on FS1. In Stanford and USC are the Fox late game. USC is a twenty nine point favorite. Guys, quick hitters for me. Cal obviously shocked everybody when they scored 58 against North Texas last week. Now, UNT couldn't tackle. They couldn't stop anything. Jaden Ott ran over everybody, felt like three times every single uh, possession that he got the football. Auburn is a much better team. They looked really good against UMass uh, last week. Um, Maybe a little bit of a slow start, but eventually put away the Minutemen. Oklahoma State got off to a really slow start offensively, but go back and look at that game. I don't know that the result was ever fully in doubt. Meanwhile, the result was definitely in doubt against Southern Utah for Arizona State. Uh, Jaden Rashad, I think, is going to be really good, but this is his second career game. I kind of lean the pokes there. And Stanford, Stanford proved me wrong. I said Hawaii had a really good chance to upset them. They didn't do that. Uh, Stanford handled the Rainbow Warriors, but USC's offense is on another level. Am I crazy for thinking they can cover that 29-point spread? It's a lot, but Caleb Williams. It's a lot of points, and we just haven't seen the consistency. I know USC's defense was a lot better against Nevada. We kind of roasted them for their game against San Jose State, but they came out and played lights out for the most part against Nevada. I'm leaning Stanford to cover that spread just because 29 is a lot of points, and this series has a history of being closer than expected. USC hasn't beaten Stanford by more than 25 since 2006. And I know that there's been a lot of really good Stanford teams in that time. It's been some really bad Stanford teams in that time as well. So I'm in on Stanford here. I think it's a season defining game for Oklahoma state and Mike Gundy. They need to take care of business in the desert. If they don't, it can spiral really quickly. And Cal, I think they keep it close, man. I I'm, I'm a cautious believer in the offensive output that we saw last week. I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. Auburn's going to get out of there with a victory, but I think they're going to have to fight for it. I think you're pretty much right, Trey. I think Auburn is going to have to fight through it. Cal's not going to get what they want on the ground. They're not going to get the same way they did last week against UNT. Auburn's a much better defense. Auburn's got better athletes. It's you know, it's going to be a lot harder for them to do that. I do like what Auburn's doing in the red zone with the Robbie Ashford packages where – you know, you basically get Peyton Thorne to get you all the way down the field, and then he gets his touchdown stolen by another quarterback. Normally see that with the running back situation, you, you know, power backs. I don't know, is this your your power quarterback here with Ashford? I, I don't know what the situation is or what you need to call him, but it's working, and it looked pretty good last week. Um, I, I think you're right about Oklahoma State struggling and needing this a little bit. Um, they, they do need this, but I think it's even bigger than that. I think this is a chance for Mike Gunny to prove the game hasn't passed him. Because his sort of reluctance to use the portal and, you know, they've kind of fallen off a little bit the last couple of years with the lesser talent on the roster, plus struggling last week against Central Arkansas. I know a couple of people that were in the stands for that one. Not a lot of happy vibes going around Stillwater. Uh, you're you're going to need to be a lot better than that. I think that they win this one, but this would be my confidence pick like zero. Like I have no confidence in this game whatsoever. Uh, and then, yeah, Stanford USC, 29 is a whole lot. I'm going to say they cover it. I think that they're going to score a whole bunch of points and, and look really, really good doing it. Um, they're, they're just unstoppable on offense right now. They do whatever they want to do. And 
does the defense play well? They may not have to. Stanford's not got a whole lot on offense that I think is really going to scare USC. So yeah, give me give me a 30, 35 point victory for uh, for the Trojans. I'm so curious to see how this late window goes. Obviously, uh, there's going to be entertainment all day long, but just because the sun goes down does not mean that the games turn off. Guys, we need that's to a lot cherish of- our Pac-12 after dark while we have it, guys. We, we only have about 10 more weeks of Pac-12 after dark in our lives. That's right. That's right. I mean, gosh, it's kind of a sad ticking clock, but Pac-12 went 13-0 and after the first week zero and then into week one. They're a very fun conference. I, I don't think we were just going to sign up to miss football games just because they're late. Uh, that's our full rundown of week two here on the three technique. Let us know who your favorite matchup to watch is going to be. Where did we get the lines and our picks right? Where do you think we've got them wrong? Right in. You can let us know on Instagram, Twitter, threads, at 3techpod. Also, you can write in through our email, 3techpod at gmail.com. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for watching. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, him. How about that?